morning. Am I on? All right. Some might say this morning that uh, I am a little scattered and I'm trying not to be. And uh, so I will do my very, very best. So please turn in your bulletins and let's take a look at announcements. Here we go. Your bulletin should have announcements in it. So notice evening assembly is at six o'clock at my house. How am I doing so far? Someone might say I'm trying to be very controlled. I am trying to be very controlled. You weren't here for a Bible class. It was an absolute scary thing. So here we go. Uh, Wednesday evening. Actually, 6 o'clock dinner at my house, for those who are so inclined, potluck style. And 7 o'clock, we will have our evening assembly. Thursday, ladies' study is on. Correct, Mrs. Parks? Wonderful. Monday evening, barring any unforeseen contagion, will take place. Dinner begins at 5.45. You're laughing. 5.45. Promptly to be followed by study led by Mr. Compton. Unless I pass from this life and then Jeff Drillinger will take my place. All right. Pretty controlled. I think we got everything under control so far. All right. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Potluck here after assembly if you're so inclined. And then please stay for the pre-camp clean up because we end up here at the building on Sunday evening and so uh, the, the building will be unused until Sunday evening of the following weekend and then and then finally that room by the way back there is perfect for little ones who get kind of crazy so uh, and birthdays Julie's birthday you know, I know you were not skipping out last week because we were going to sing to you, but I was reminded by a little bird this morning. So we we're going to sing to you today. Uh, Kirk Parks, yes, we're going to sing to you. And Julie, you're like 28 or something like that, 27, 26? 25. 25? Oh, sorry. I screwed up on that one. See why I was trying to be so controlled. Just stay with the script, Bill. Stay with the script. Trying to be funny and I mess up again. That's only so that you know that I'm not perfect. That was all planned. All right. So, Kirk, I'm not saying nothing. Happy birthday, Kirk. All right. Scott, happy birthday. We're going to sing right now. Then move on quickly. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Oh, man. I would tell you I got an email this morning that really kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I'm not going to tell you that. So I'm glad to be here, totally in control. Now, we are going to go to our words of encouragement. And uh, I'm so thankful for this one from Ty, right out of the chute. Mr. Compton. Your message for Bible class was awesome. Thank you, Ty. I appreciate that. I'll keep this one. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Parks, your message today was awesome. I would agree. Emma, hurry back. This one's for you. Emma, I like that you're so helpful with those encouragement cards. There you go. Emma, thank you for setting an example of how to be helpful. Wow, there you go. There's some young men that are 
kind of checking you out. See, you're just a sweet young lady. Mr. Andrew. There you go, right in the back. Mr. Andrew, I like it when you help in Bible class from Max. All right. I also could add, I like when you save me from a debacle that I created, okay? Wow. That's great when your sons save you. Melissa Parks, thank you for hosting the ladies' studies. They are so encouraging. I really, I really look forward to them with a heart. Your teaching and the sweet fellowship are one of the best parts of the week. All right. Ken and Pam, thank you for the lovely afternoon planning the menu for family camp. Lunch was delightful and the fellowship was sweet and pleasant. You both have servants' hearts and are great examples. Hey, can I get an amen on that one? I mean, I just love, I've been over there for lunch and man, it's just a sweet time. So praise the Lord. All right, is there anything else I need to do besides talk about family camp? Really excited about Family Camp. It's going to be a great time. We got some great speakers coming down from Portland and from Denver, Texas, or Dallas, Texas. Not Denver, Colorado. Dallas, Texas. Uh, we also got some speakers coming from uh, Michigan. And uh, so, anyway, it's going to be a great time. So, but we do need some help. Oh. They're starting to lay gravel, which kind of hope they'll finish before the Oh, good. Oh, so the road is very good. Great report. Thank you. Road report from Lars and Angie. Stay tuned. News at 6. All right. Uh, we need some help with the, the bathhouses for the, for the uh, uh, cottages at family camp. And we need some help for... Uh, lunch, not eating it, but preparing it, and lunch for Saturday and Sunday. Yes? Oh, dishes. Okay. Dishes. Oh, there's dishwashers. There you go. So that's what we're looking at. Are you sure I'll start here, and we'll just do the round robin kind of thing. Ah, Jeff, would you come up here and pray for my lesson? I'm serious. I told Jeff what was going on, and so he understands. Father God in heaven, uh, your word says that you can do abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. And uh, it's great to be able to come to you in prayer at uh, any time and uh, lift up uh, praises and requests. And Father, we just ask for your blessing uh, this time as Bill presents your word and uh, pray that you would uh, uh, give him wisdom, wisdom from above and uh, speak out boldly and to speak uh, your word that uh, we'd all be built up all the more as we see that day drawing near, being equipped for the works of service that you've prepared beforehand that we should walk in it, Father. And each one doing his uh, part properly working uh, to the goal, to the building up of the body. Uh, and again, all to your glory. And we just pray for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank you. I do have another announcement that I'm really, really excited about. There's a young man in our audience who uh, comes consistently in suit and tie. And I kept calling him preacher. And then, uh, I don't know if it was you that asked me or if I asked you, if I asked you if you'd be willing to preach. 
And he said, yeah. And so uh, uh, coming up, uh, Lawson's going to be uh, delivering a sermon. And I'm going to bring my portable uh, podium so he's not standing here. He'll, be, he'll have his own personal podium, his size. And uh, I'm really excited. And so he's memorizing a scripture, and then I'm going to go over to his house, and we're going to, I'm going to show him how I actually do a study on different words so he can learn how to do that. And then he's actually going to, we're going to work together to put the pre- sermon together. And so I'm pretty excited about that. In fact, I've been excited ever since we talked, and you said, yeah. So uh, anyway, I sure to appreciate you and your excitement to do that. Young men growing up and being committed to preach the word, both privately, house to house, and publicly is super important. So you'll carry it into the next generation. Let's give it up for that guy. Before he even gets here, he wants to get her done. That's great stuff. Good stuff. All right. So let's grab our Bibles and turn back to Proverbs in chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And we are working on a promise based upon our decision and choices. So this is a, this is a promise, a contingency, basically. Uh, if you do this, God says, I'll do this. And it's one that is well known. Here it is, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, last week I said that we're going to take two sermons, one for the first phrase, you know, this first section, verse 5, and then one for verse 6. It's not that I was lying to you, but as I started to really dig into it, I'm going to have to make it three, because we're only going to take the first phrase of verse 6. You know, I have this one memorized, and when I sat down to write the lesson, I was thinking, what does that really mean? And I, well, this is what it means. Now, that's a dangerous thing when a preacher just decides that in his own wisdom, he knows what it means. Because then I started to dig and I went, man, I'm glad I dug the way I dug because it's not what I thought it meant. And so this morning, I pray that you could follow this train of thought as we look at, and don't cringe when I say this, but as we look at each word. Each word in this little phrase means a lot. So I'd ask you, if you would, to focus on this phrase and what those words actually mean in the greater context. So here we go. Point number one. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The word in is an interesting word. The word is, means literally within, in context to. In context to what? In context to Jesus being Lord and your meaning to acknowledge him in everything that you do. So in your life, in every facet of your life, you need to acknowledge him. Now take a look at the word all. Well, you know what the word all means. I looked it up, and the word all means all, everything, complete, total, nothing left out. So in every facet of your life, every single facet, God should be acknowledged. 
when I was thinking about that in my life, I was thinking, do I acknowledge God in every area of my life? I mean, if you were to look at how I live a particular area of my life, do I really, in that area also, without exception, in that area, do I show the stamp of Jesus's mind, the stamp of Jesus's words, and the stamp of Jesus's behavior and character? Do I? I mean, I, I ask myself that, and I'm not going to tell you the answer because you already know the answer. And so I love these scriptures because then when you use them as an, a tool to evaluate yourself and you really stop and think about what it's saying, all areas of my life. Now I'm talking me now. I, I got a lot of work to do. I mean, there are some areas I believe I've, I've got it pretty well dialed in, but notice pretty well dialed in isn't all. Now, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm not supposed to be sticking my finger in your face and going, I've been evaluating you based on this verse, and you are. That's not how this works. The verse is for you to evaluate you and decide, do I trust in the Lord with all my heart? Do I believe God exists and that he's in control of everything? I have to ask myself that and then examine my life to see if there's evidence of that truth. That's what God wants us to do with the scriptures. And so is all of my life being governed by him? Am I yielded to him in everything? Well, I'll have to be honest with you. Not until I get to heaven will I be fully, completely in every brain cell, every thought, every word, and every deed will I be in yielded. Because if you are like me, there are days when the devil trips me up. And so I'm just sharing with you that this is a powerful passage of scripture this morning, not to condemn you, but to help you to go, hey, I need to excel still more and more, and God's given me everything I need to do that. And so the word all there, as you can tell, was a big hit for me, <laughs> right? Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own heart, I mean, in all your ways, all Okay. All right, Lord, we're not laughing anymore. <laughs> okay. And so, in, and notice, this is interesting. In all your ways. You know, oftentimes the scripture says, you need to follow my ways. You need to know my ways. You need to be obedient to my ways. But God says, now I want you to look at your ways and see how they compare. <laughs> right? That's what it says. In all your ways. He wants you to examine all your ways. Now, did you know that every word that comes out of your mouth started somewhere else? It wasn't your gums that caused that word to come out. It wasn't the, all the resonators. I think there's 27 resonators in your mouth. You're saying, well, yes, it did, because without the resonators, there would be no sound. No, your mind, your thought is what created that. And God gave you the delivery system, the resonators in your mouth. Your teeth are resonators, by the way. Well, yes, everyone. So it's important to recognize and understand that that voice, that word, was started here. Does anybody know a scripture where it says that? Mark chapter 7. Jesus says it. 
It's what is from within out of the heart that defiles the man. All of the lying and deceit. And then the last thing, your thoughts, your your words, and your deeds, your behavior. And so all your ways, all your thoughts, all your words, all your actions, do they consistently manifest Christ in everything, all of those? You're saying, well, I'm only human. Well, let's work on that one a little bit. Now, we're supposed to acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge somebody? You know these little these little notes? You know what these little notes are? They're an acknowledgement of an act of service that somebody was caught doing, right? It, it was basically a, a recognition of a good thing done and a declaration written on a note, correct? How many would agree with that statement? Well, you know what's really cool? As I looked up the word acknowledgement, and it means to, to literally know and to recognize and to declare. That's what it actually means. To know, to recognize, and to declare. Acknowledge. So if we're going to acknowledge God, hey, I know something about God that I, I've recognized as being amazing and I want you to know. So acknowledging God in my use of my morning hours. I've personally chosen to, when I look at Jesus, he got up early in the morning before people were up and he went away where no people were and he prayed. I mean, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, but I'll tell you one thing. All I got to do is see that a couple times. And there's more than a couple times in the scriptures where Jesus gets up early in the morning and he goes somewhere to, to pray before, before the rush of the day starts. How many have ever got so focused that you woke up early because you're thinking of grinding about stuff in your life and you got up early so that you could get a jump on it. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Anybody else ever done that before? Okay. I've done that and my routine is to get up, get my cup, well, get my clothes on, get my shower, then get my clothes on, get my cup of coffee and then march into my office and sit down and spend a couple hours with the Lord. But I have to be honest with you. There are days when I get up early and I'm going, Jesus says worrying is a waste of time. It ruins your sleep. I'm talking about me now. I'm not talking about you. And then you get up and how many of you ever had this? Don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you had this where you're so going to get it done that you're so scattered that you don't get it done even though you had more time to get it done? I don't know about you, but unfortunately, that's been my experience. But I also tell you, it's been my experience as well when I get up, and I get up normally, 4 o'clock, get my coffee, take the shower, check out the face, <laughs> still the same, and uh, go to my office and, and begin to, to work on my prayer time and my, my Bible study. And I just pray, Lord, could you, could you slow time down a little bit or at least help me to use a little bit better? so that I can get everything done that I need to get done. Because you know right now that I am freaking out inside. Every time I do that, without fail, by the way, God somehow slows down time or speeds up my brain or makes things easier. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him. His stamp is on everything. But you know the hymn there is really important. Who's the him? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Contextually, who's the him? Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Remember, he knows all things. I don't. He's ever present. I'm not. He's almighty. And you're going, you're definitely not, chief. It's true. But that's how we all are. So let's appeal to him. To him. Let him be the master over our every moment. Let him be the master over our every thought and our every word and our every deed. How is that possible? Well, let me summarize before we move on. And I think that's in my notes. I hope so in the notes that I printed. You can tell my printer did a really fun job for me this morning as well, can't you? Man, I love technology. Moving on. It's not in my notes. So summary, to summarize what we just talked about. You know what it says here? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Number one, to acknowledge means to know him. And the word knowledge there, by the way, means intimately. To know him so intimately. By the way, this word is also used in relationship or in context to a marriage relationship where a man knows a woman. That kind of intimacy. Christ in us and we in Christ. Having his mind. Having his heart. That's really what it's talking about here in this acknowledging. In you, you have an intimate relationship with him. The second thing there is to know his ethical standard in all his thoughts, words, and actions. You know, Jesus lived a perfect life. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that he, he always responded correctly to people? His deeds were perfect. His words were always perfect. I don't know about you, but I just go, I wish I could someday live one of those conversations where people are like, Arr! and Jesus goes, let me doodle in the sand for a minute. By the way, he who has no sin can cast the first stone. And then he goes back to Italy. And the guys that were the knuckleheads that were judgmental did what? They walked away because they knew they were self-condemned. Why can't I do that to help people come to an understanding of without condemning them, just helping them to recognize they need to grow up a little bit and figure some things out. Why can't I do that every single time? He did it. Because he was intimately acquainted with the Father. And as you well know, you've heard me speak, and I know you've read it before. He had every thought. Every thought was governed by the word of God. Every word was only a word that he heard his father speak. Every deed was only a deed that he saw his father do and show him to do. The Bible actually says that in more than one place. Jesus actually says that in more than one place. We're his people. We're filled with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. We have the exact same Old Testament as Jesus had. The exact same one. For those of you in the college age group, our modern translation of the Old Testament, for those of you who've been in the college age group, is it near word perfect, except for a few spelling errors, word perfect to the original text? Do we have absolute proof on that? We have absolute proof. 
For those of you who are not in the college age, if you want absolute proof, I can give it to you. We have absolute proof. You can actually see it. It's physically available to you. Jesus studied the Old Testament to see what it meant to be, to be a man of faith. And he lived it perfectly. He was a human being filled with the Holy Spirit and he walked by faith, faith in the word of God. Now, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're a Christian this morning, what's the answer? Yes. Is it the same spirit as what was in Jesus? What's the answer? Yes. Do you have the exact same Old Testament that he had? The answer is yes. What about the New Testament? He didn't have a New Testament. He was making it. Okay. So you and I can step into that too. That Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We have everything that Jesus had. We can do this, folks. So when I, you heard me a little bit earlier this morning, kind of a little bit more morning in effect. Well, you know, someday when I see Jesus, I'll have it all yielded. I can live a perfect moment. I can live a perfect minute. I can live a perfect hour. I can live a perfect day. And then the next morning when I get up at four, guess what the goal is? <laughs> every moment, every hour, every day, every week, every month, the rest of my life. That's what it is, brethren. It's possible. But we need to recognize that we need to know him intimately. We need to understand his ethical standard. And then we need to give recognition of that in all that we say and in all that we do. And I'm going to get to a practical application here in a moment. But let's look at point number two. Let's consider some things. And I'm going to have you read the scriptures. I gave you a ton of scriptures in this lesson. There's a ton of scriptures. But look at this first one. The question is, how do we do this? How do we actually do that? Every thought, every word, and every deed. I'm going to grab my lesson plan and make sure I do this one right. How do we do this? Brethren, how many of you know the scriptures, particularly this one? And I'm just going to quote it, at least the first verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. It's really important that you read that. But verse 9 is critical. You, however... And I can point my finger at you if you're a Christian. So I'm pointing my finger at you, just like Paul would point the finger at you, in a nice way. You, however, are no longer in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. And the spirit that indwells you is the spirit of God. But if anyone does not have the spirit of God or spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. If you were faithfully immersed into Christ, recognizing that's when you were being crucified with Christ, being buried with him, being raised up with him, and in you being united with him in his death, the blood cleansed you, and being raised up out of that water grave, that you were filled with the Holy Spirit and raised up as a new creation, filled with the Spirit to walk in newness of life. Whether you stumbled and bubbled along the way up to this point, brother, sister, you're in, you belong to him. This message is for you. This message is for me. We are able. So when we take a look at this consideration, it says to know him intimately. How do you do that? Might I suggest that you can know him intimately by his word. How do we know that George Washington was a man of deep and abiding faith in God? I've never met George Washington. 
I have a picture of him in my living room. I do know he looks like that because there are actual drawings and paintings of him done by artists as he sat there. But how do I know that those words are his words? How do I know that his words that speak of his deep and abiding faith and trust only in God are true? Because they're documented back in the Library of Congress and in the Smithsonian. I can see the actual letters. And so can you. Right here. The mind of Christ. Right here. Both Old and New Testament, the mind of Christ. You've been given the mind of Christ. You've been given the spirit of Christ. In fact, go to that next point, if you wouldn't mind. The next point there is the in incarnate word. What does incarnate mean? Does anybody know? Incarnate? Shout it out. What does incarnate mean? In the flesh. What's in the flesh? COVID? I hope not. What's in the flesh? Incarnate. The word, Jesus Christ, is in your flesh through the Holy Spirit. We just read that. Now, if you'll take a look at those scriptures on your own time, you are then able, through his spirit who indwells you, to live the ethical standard. Look at the next point there then. It says, through the written word, through the incarnate word, the word inside, Jesus Christ inside, you are able to know his ethical standard. How? How many have heard this one before? And, and you can look at that on your own time. Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 1 through 5, and Colossians 2, 8. See to it that no one takes you captive to philosophy and empty deception, according to the elementary principles of the worlds, the traditions of men. Rather, your mind should be taken captive by Christ. How is your mind taken captive by Christ? By reading the word. By hearing the word preached. That's how it's done. No other way. you got to find preachers that are going to preach you the word. You know what? I like it when guys get up here and give it to me with the bark on. They don't hold, don't hold any punches. I like that. I want to know the truth. But you know something else? Setting your mind on things above, not on the things in the world. For the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit's life and peace. Brethren, the mindset is critical. But it has to be through the word of God. The next one is our transformation. How do you know his ethical standard? Well, I'm just going to live it the way I think I ought to do it. Well, I've done that before. I'm not going to suggest anybody else has, but I've done that before. How's that work for us? You don't need to answer that one either. I know how it works for you. It works the same way with me. Okay? It doesn't work very well. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does Romans, Romans 12 say? It says, my dear brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God to give yourselves, your bodies, as a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to him. It's only reasonable that you do that. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Sounds like repentance to me. It's ongoing. Now, the last thing here is how do you, how do you give recognition and declaration about Christ? How do you do that? How do you recognize Christ in your life? 
How do you do that? Well, I want you to go back and take a look at this 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 17. 14 through 17. How many have been around somebody when you go into a grocery store? I don't know if it's an older lady or, or a guy that's trying to be totally macho, but you're walking by and man, they're wearing way too much perfume, way too much cologne. Your eyes start to water. Wow. <laughs> Anybody ever have that experience before? I have, yep, yep, so say, yep, okay. We're supposed to be the aroma of Christ. That's what it says in that passage. So when people meet you, who are they actually meeting? Jesus. I read a scripture here just this last week in my reading. It says that thousands upon thousands crowded around to listen to Jesus speak. So much so that people were walking, stepping on each other. It actually says that in the scriptures in the book of Luke. And his name wasn't Donald Trump. His name was Jesus Christ. I believe there are more people that went to see Jesus Christ speak than people going to Donald Trump. I do believe that because of that scripture. You go back and look at that in the Greek. Hundreds of thousands of people swarmed. You know what? Jerusalem was filled to worship God and it was filled to watch the spectacle of the Christ being crucified. It's important for us to recognize it was his character, not his money, not his good looks, not his pedigree, not his college degrees, not his success in running businesses. It was his character. That's what drew people to him. Now, what does this look like on the back? How do you apply this? How, how do I apply it to my life? Well, let's, let's take a look here. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. Let's take a look. Turn there for a second. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. He who is faithful in a very little thing will be faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth or mammon or money, who will entrust the true riches to you? I'm more concerned about true riches the true riches of a great marriage, the true riches of, of having a great relationship with the children and the children having a great relationship with you. I'm concerned about the true riches of you and I being seen by our employers as men and women who really set the standard for what an employee ought to be or supervisors who really set the standard of what a leader should be in the workplace. That, those are the true riches, honestly. The true riches of people honoring and respecting you because of the life that you're living. That's true riches. That which is very insignificant to, see, insignificant to God is your money. But how you use your money is going to either recognize and declare God's a part of that or not. Now, let me give you an example. That first little check mark there says what you believe. What you believe about money. What is money? It's the storage of value. 
What's money used for? What's money used for? Exchanging for goods and services, right? I want you to think about this. If you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, I want you to do it on your own time. You go back to Deuteronomy in chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. You know what it says there? It says that people have a tendency to think that they've made it. That money is theirs. But if you look at that passage of scripture, God says, you know what? I've given you your health. I've given you your strength. I've given you your smarts. I've given you your ability. I think I have an ability to speak pretty good. My son Ryan has this innate ability to fix things in regards to his, his, his automobiles and his big log trucks. He's never done it before, but he understands how it works and he can see it and he can fix it. I can't do that. Brethren, that ability was given to him by God. I don't have that ability. <laughs> I have an ability to take a thought and develop it and make it understandable. But I don't have anything else really to offer. But each one of us, you have to understand, that was given to us by God. And I could use it to serve him. And I can get money from it. Now, the next thing in this list here is how do I acquire it? Could I use my gift to exploit people? Could I use my gift to exploit people? Could I use my gift in the financial circles to exploit people and make a lot of money? Could I? It was rather interesting when I started working at Selco many, many years ago. Some of you might remember in 2004, I, I needed to get a job and I went out and got a job and I called one of my former marketing students who was a division manager for Selco and he said, you need, to, you, you need a part-time, you want to come work at my branch? And I go, Mike, I'd love to do that. He goes, would you be a personal banker? And I go, what's that? He says, where you work with people and, and you basically help them, you know, borrow money. And I don't know if you anything to know about loan officers, but you can make some pretty good money. Right, Andrew? As loan, well, maybe not now with the interest rates going up, but if you're good at talking somebody into stuff, you're saying, oh, he's good at talking people into stuff. How about talking people into heaven? Is that okay? I don't get anything out of that except for the sheer joy of seeing them in heaven. What a great thing. But the reality is, is could I use my gift to make tons of money? A lot of money. Yeah, I could. Is it okay to be a rich man? What's the Bible say? Yeah, it's okay. The motive is the thing that you need to look at. Now, could I sell illicit drugs in Oregon and make a lot of money? Well, Sure, no problem. It's not, it's not illegal anymore. Okay. Or actually, it's decriminalized. Sorry, I got to use the right wording. Well, I can make a lot of money. And it's not criminal. Huh, just because it's not criminal doesn't mean it's not morally wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's important that we make sure that we do it right. Right motive, right job. But look at the last thing here. 
how to use your money. It's my money. I use it however I want. Sure can. God always gives us a choice. But what if we want people to see God in us? Are we still in Proverbs or are we in Luke? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And I'll close with this and kind of wrap it up. I love this promise. There, I love all, all six promises here. There's six promises here. Six things that God calls us to do and six promises. Look at, look at, uh, look at 9 and 10. Look at 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I'm not sure what all that vats and flowing and stuff means, but I do know this, is that if I honor God, he will take care of me no matter what. He'll take care of me no matter what, and he has. We had a very wealthy man spend some time with us recently, and praise God, he's a man with a big heart. He loves the Lord, and he's willing to support the churches. I love him. I appreciate him, right? I'm not that man. But interestingly enough, he has chosen to give a big portion of his to the work of the Lord. And the Lord continues to bless him with more. Why? Because God is faithful to his promise. So the very first thing, God gets the first part in my life, in my life. The second is, is that Sharon and I try to work really hard at making sure that what we have, we pay all our bills first. We do pretty good at that, don't we, honey? Yeah, and then what's left over? We have opportunity to share with people of need. Those three Bible verses there talk about what God looks like in finance. You see, why are you talking about finance? I'm talking about finance because it's the easiest, most quantifiable thing that you can work on. It's harder to quantify your marriage relationship. It's harder to quantify your relationship with your children. It's harder to quantify your relationship down at your work, a place of work. It's harder to quantify. But if you go back and you live as a man or woman of integrity in those places, the true treasures then will be yours. Now, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, let him be recognized and declared. So when people see you, when people hear you, when they find out what your thought process is, when they find out what your motives are, they go, wow. I know a lot of people go to church, but I haven't met anybody quite like you. You really live what you believe. And you follow through. That's awesome. Isn't that how it ought to be? There's great treasure in that. Now, brethren, let's trust in the Lord first because as we trust in the Lord first and we actually do show everything to be from him, then people then begin to trust us. We then become trustworthy. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for this passage of scripture. It wasn't really what I thought it meant. I'm thankful to know now it validates a lot of things that I've been doing but didn't, and I knew I was doing the right thing, but now I have a greater validation for those. I pray to your Heavenly Father that you would help all of us to recognize that we need to have that intimate knowledge of you and your Son, Jesus Christ. 
We need to know what your standard for life is in every facet, all, everything complete, without exception, every facet of our lives. And then we need to implement those truths as we work in each relationship and in each life calling, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you very much. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.